0: Okay, good morning. It's good to be with you again. You know, Thursday night was a great message, and I'm really sorry about that because I only do one great message a month. And uh, so today will just be mediocre. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, thank you for allowing us to be here. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Thailand before we launch into the message, but you can go ahead and get your Bibles ready. Uh, we we came in here around about a week ago, uh, about two years ago, I committed to doing a meeting in Iowa, and so we flew in to do that meeting, and really we're just on our way out. We fly back to Thailand tonight to get back to the principal thing that we're called to do. So. Uh, I started living in Thailand. I was just thinking about it about three and a half years ago. God called us to go there. And, uh, I believe that God wants me there to do something, um, that will affect that nation. Uh, we, uh, we love the local church and, uh, and I believe, uh, the local church is, uh, is very, very important and a key thing. Uh, but I just believe that God had me in Thailand, f- uh, certainly for for starting a local church, but more than than just one church. I believe the plan was a little bit bigger there. And so um, God has seen fit to uh, grant me uh, um, some measure of favour with uh, some of the Thai pastors there. And uh, starting next year, we plan to start a training, you can call it college or whatever, where we'll be training Thai men to... uh, go out and uh, plant churches and uh, see souls, one. And uh, we believe that God has given us a strategy for the nation, uh, certainly for our area. In Nakhon Sawan, we have a burden for, but we see it really as a national thing uh, that we need to get churches planted. And the key is to train Thai men to take the leadership. And I say this uh, uh, uh Some of the missionaries have had some difficulty getting Thai men to uh, work with them and be able to train. God has been giving me men, and and I'm grateful for that, and I believe our task is to to train them up. In fact, a missionary said to me recently, uh, I met with about a month ago, and uh, he said, in the three and a half years you've been here, you already have more than than others who've been here you know, 15 years. And what he meant was that God is giving you men. Now I don't think that means I'm anything, I just think that's part of the plan, that God wants us to train men to, uh, to get out and plant churches. Uh, I have one of my men here with me, I'm going to let him give you a testimony, I'm going to call him over in just a moment, uh, my first uh, convert, God's first convert with me uh, in Thailand. Uh, his name is Joe, that's not his real name, he has a Thai name, but we won't, we won't get into that, he won't help you to remember that. So you just call him Joe, and um, you know Joe looks about fourteen, but he's uh, he's married and with a child, and he's actually fifteen, and uh, <laughs> he's older than that, but uh, he looks young and you know and I always feel I have to say this because people look at him, he just looks like a little boy, but he has endured already, and uh, more than many will have to endure. Uh, In a lifetime, he stood for God, he's been tested, he stood beside me and uh, he's allowed me to work with him and train him over the years. He's now training other men. Uh, He's uh, my principal right hand man. He's my Joshua. Uh, He's my Elisha. He's my Timothy. He's the one that God has given me. So I'm blessed to have him. And uh, I tell people I have two begotten sons. So in my family, I have a daughter and two sons. I have two begotten sons, but I have another that's as a son unto me, and, uh, and that's Joe. So when I met him, he couldn't speak any English. Well, he could say hello, yes, and no, but he never knew what he was saying yes or no to because he didn't understand anything else. So he's learned English just from being around me. He hasn't gone to school to learn English. I, I was able to teach him English just from being with me. And what is funny is when, when, when he meets somebody in Thailand who speaks English, maybe someone from America, a missionary, and he starts talking, they look at him, and then after a while they say, are you speaking English with an Australian accent? And, uh, and he, he, he does somewhat because he learned from me, which is not bad. As I said on Thursday night, Australian is the higher form of English, so it's okay. So I'm gonna ask Joe to come, he's just gonna give a testimony. He'll try to be as clear as just be patient with his English, but um he'll just give a word of testimony and say hello and all of that. So are you all wired up?
1: Yeah, I think work.
0: Just say something to me. Uh hello. Uh, Hello, how are you? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay, Okay. you don't have to hold that, it should just sit there.
1: Okay. Uh good morning, brother, sister and Christ. Very uh being blessed to be here and been in America. I look forward to come for two years ago, but I couldn't come. I want to say thank you for Pastor Fisher and this shirt to be a blessing to Pastor Shumish and support him, send him to Thailand. I've been Thailand. We need more missionary, more people to go and tell them about God. Hmm. Because if you don't have help him or send him there, i the one still lost in Thailand. And he helped me change my life and then hope more Thai people and more Thai people got saved from him. I want to thank you very much. It's for my heart. I was, it's been very... Bless for Thai people for this shirt to send him there and for help him. And for be, thank you for being pride, pride for him and uh, help him be many ways. And before I before got saved, I just been saying no more Thai people. Go to temple, do no more thing. And after that, one day I have somebody come to me. Firstly, he come to be a friend, mm. and then one day he give me a track with Jesus Christ in the in the track, and I say no, 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 I don't want, I don't need that. He wouldn't
0: take the track. No, no, I'm,
1: no. I'm good enough. I hope my family, I do good. I'm okay. You know why I say that? Because in Thailand, somebody told me when I was very young, he you say, well, Jesus should be very bad. He died on the cross. He should be a very bad man.
0: They, they will teach Thai people, Jesus must have been a bad person. Because people killed him and put him on a cross, so he was a very bad person. And they will have monks will even teach that. Yeah. And they told him just, that too when he was just little.
1: That's why I wouldn't take it. Because Thailand, we don't want to touch. I mean, if we see somebody bad, we just walk over them. Don't help them. But that is not true. i telling you now, I need God. Just not matter how good we are, we need God. We can't live about God. And then, two years after that, this is, I'm not sure if it's a trick question or not. He said, Joe, I have very important thing to tell you. And I say, What? Just tell me. I'm not sure. In my in my heart, I say, is, it's a trick question. <laughs> you try to trick me? But I want to know what it is. And and he say, you sure you want to know this? I say, yeah. I think, mm. I say, I'm sure I want to know. And I work out after that. And then he told me, and he had a up. Board. Like a piece of, uh, piece of plastic and I had
0: to use them because he couldn't understand like, the English. I speak
1: so English I was drawing now.
0: pictures and explaining the salvation
1: story in pictures. About 30%. And he had to draw a picture for me to see what's going on. And he draw the, 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 the how God make the world, how God make people, how sin come to the world, and then we cut off from God. And then God so loved the world, he sent his own son to die in the cross for our sin. Soon did I heard that, my heart just, something, God speak in my heart. And we finish that. I ask pastor, I say, how can I be Christian? How can I God say? He said, Well, you ready? You sure? Don't do for me. I hope you anyway. Don't do for me. I'm sure I'm not gonna do for you. I do for myself. I'm a sinner. And he say you sure? I say hundred percent sure. And then after that we pray and I've I've been saved. Tell them about your, statue on, your on that time in that time after that i'm 20, 20 something nearly 21 when 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 the the man or the boy on 21 in thailand buddhism they have to be a, to be a come a monk in a temple because because the father and mother expect you to do that because they hope they can they can hold in your um, like a yellow cloth for tip monk to go to heaven, just what they believe. And then my father, he have only one son. He will expect me to do that for him. But I just got saved. Just before I do that. And he get everything ready. He have plan what he want to do. Get money ready, everything ready for me to go to be a monk. Get elephant. It's very special if it's in the top of elephant, like to walk to the monk.
0: So his father He's had got an elephant ready to put him on to take him to the temple to celebrate his son was going to become a Buddhist monk and that this was going to be earning merit for his father to go to heaven. That's how they think.
1: And then he get everything ready. You see how he looked forward to that. He very expect that to be happening. And every day it's been closer and closer. I don't tell him yet. And I... And that day coming, are you ready? He asked me. Say, no. Why? I have something to tell you. I'm Christian. I believe in Jesus. I can't do this for you. I'm very sorry, but I love you. Nothing changed for me. Sooner I tell that, he said, Can't you do? you kissed him, but can't you do? He said, I cannot do. And he's just so hurt. His son, like broken his heart. Mm. And he cut me off for two months. not talk to me I call my mother he couldn't talk to me mm. my father my mother said you hurt him I say, mom yes I hurt you I'm sorry but I know the best way to go to heaven is not that way And then two months after, he cried. He said, Joe, I'm sorry what I cut you off, but I still love you. I've been crying After that happened, I've been cried. I tell people in the shirt, please pray for me. I feel so hurt. My father's hurt. And the cry of God, we'll be back together again. And he understanding. And four or five months ago, his pastor had chance, opportunity to talk to him about God, but he hasn't been saved yet. I want you to pray for my family and that more Thai people, in my heart, I want every Thai, everybody in the world, being saved. It's so good to be in safe. God changed my life. I don't know where I'm gonna be now, even not safe. I'm a bad boy. But God changed my life. A blessing. I'm very blessed to be with Pastor. before i used to have a, like a small statue carry in my neck a little buddha statue you used Wood, to wear around his neck i go to australia i go anywhere i carry it with me and one day i go to like a custom yeah immigration, Check, you know, custom. immigration. and they say sir you can't take this you have to put it in a bin I say oh and they take up me and put it in the bin. I said, oh. And I just go to say, oh. And I call my father. He say that they take my uh, statue out. Is it OK for me? Oh, Some that's he was very saved. good. Hmm. He said, oh, that one very special. That will help you. And then I just price load. I don't have to carry my God again. Now, God helped me and carry me. He be with me everywhere. I want you to pray for our mission, uh, our work in Thailand, our plan to, to, um, to train men, to plan more churches in Thailand. We have so so less men. We have more lady than men in the church and more kid. We don't have much men. We need that in Thailand and to to grow in in the in the Christian law in Thailand and more men to to train and go out to start the churches in Thailand. Mm. Please pray for us and Thank you very much for, for everything here. It's been very blessing to me with many why, And I can learn, I can see. Thank you very much, and God bless you.
0: Amen. All right. Okay, well, thank you for uh, praying. If you want to pray for him, I think he would ask you pray for your father, for sal- your father and mother for salvation. We we're able to lead his mother's best friend to the Lord and baptise her, and and um, and she's now talking to his father and mother. But his father's is very strong Buddhist, and um, he, uh, you know, we really need God to do a work there. But I think he would ask you to pray for that. and pray for him. He bears a lot of burdens. He carries a lot of the weight of our ministry and uh, he now has other men under him that he's got to talk to. He's he's passive. When you hear him talk English, he's quiet. When you see him in Thailand, he talks Thai. He tells them what to do. He's very, he's very, knows what he's, uh, what he's doing. So uh, thanks for praying for him. And, and, uh, you know, we hope, I hope we've had other people saved since Joe. We had a lady saved last night uh, while I was away and uh, we, we have other people been saved, but I've said to people, look, if, if going to Thailand was only about him, I still would have gone. He's still worth it, and I've told him that. If I said if I came to Thailand and you were the only one saved, I still would have come, because I, I would not have abandoned you. I I'm glad that you're saved. It's been worth it just to have you. But there's, there's many more, and that's the way it is for the Lord. You know, if you'd been the only one who needed to be saved. Jesus still would have died for your sin. Uh, He loves you. All right, thank you. Let's go ahead and have a brief message. Genesis chapter 2. I know you have familiarity with this uh, story. Uh, Let's just notice verse 16 and 17. We'll turn to a few places. This is essentially a one-point message, but let's just pick up on uh, uh, the background here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So uh, God made man, and we know the story. God God desired, in fact, (laughs) last night the lady who got saved and we'd been working with this lady for about three and a half years. She got saved last night. Joe's wife was able to lead her to the Lord. And she was, uh, Joe's wife was briefing us on what happened this morning on the phone. And one of the questions that this girl asked Joe's wife was, well, why did God make the world? And, uh, and Joe's wife didn't know the answer to that. And so she used the answer that we all use. She said, there are some things that are just more deep than we can understand. And uh, we just don't know. And then she said to Joe, I need to know the answer to that question. When when pastor gets back, can somebody tell me, please? Well, you know, the answer to the question is God made the world because it wasn't about the world. It wasn't about the trees and the mountains and the fish and the animals and all the beauty of the garden. God made the world because that was simply the backdrop from where he was going to put man. And God's desire was to have somebody who would love him by choice, by free will. You know, God could have made a parrot and uh, taught the parrot to say that he loves him. And uh, God could have made a robot, but God didn't do that. God made a man and God gave that man a free will. And God said to that man, "You, uh, you can enjoy all this place that I've made for you. But there's just out of all these trees you can eat, you know, enjoy the blessing of God But listen, there's one, there's one tree. And, and that's the one tree that you mustn't eat of. And the day that you eat thereof, you shall die. Now, please understand that God, God didn't trick anybody. God didn't, God didn't try to set man up. God, God made it really clear. He said, of all these trees, you can eat, there's only one and it's here and don't eat of that one. And if you do, this is what will happen. And so it was God's delight to come down and, and walk with Adam and enjoy the fellowship of having somebody want to be with him uh, and uh, enjoy being with him. And then you know the story that as we get on further in Genesis chapter 3, remember that the, uh, the, the serpent appeared and, and uh, deceived Eve into to eating of that tree that she should not have eaten of and then the bible says that uh, she gave to her husband adam and he did it uh, he was not deceived she was deceived he was not deceived he chose to sin he chose to do what he did he knew what he was doing and then we have after that event they 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 did the thing god said not to do and then suddenly they realized that they were they were naked uh, they felt uh, as it were shame and humiliation and 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 picture this pitiful sight. Uh, here is man once uh, clothed in the in the uh, the covering of God, the glory of God, as it were. All that is gone now, and he runs around pulling leaves off a tree to try to make some sort of covering. And you know, we people laugh about that; it's like a funny story, but it's really a pitiful story. It's a sad story of someone who was here and had come down to here. And was somehow trying to cover that up. Now, God came down and I want you to realize what God did. God came down and God knew that they had sinned. And right there and then, God would have been fully within his rights to say, look, Adam, I warned you. I told you, you understood, you've made your choice. And now, you know, you will, you will, you will be cut off from me forever. And when you die, you'll go to hell forever. And Adam, every one of your children thereafter will have to go to hell because of their sin. And that would have been you and I. And if God, if God had done that, God would not have compromised not one single attribute of his nature. If God had done that, God would still be 100% righteous. God would be 100% holy. God would not have been guilty of anything if God had walked away when we chose to sin. It was you and I, it was Adam who offended, it was not God. But what I want you to see this morning, you know the story that in fact God came down and it just seemed that God had mercy and and cared, and God uh, slew an animal, and, and I think that was pointing forward to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he covered man in skins, and then he went on to send his only begotten son, to leave heaven to pay for the sin that Adam chose to do, and he sent his only begotten son, who came down and voluntarily took on uh, flesh and lived as we lived, and lived a sinless life, and went to the cross and suffered more than is comprehensible, and was then raised from the dead as an affirmation that God had accepted the payment for sin. And I'm trying to say to you this morning that if God had wanted to walk away and do none of that, and not send his only begotten son, nobody could have accused God of anything. God had not failed. We failed. We sinned. We chose, we went on the road of rebellion, we decided that we would listen to the serpent and not listen to God. We thought we knew better than God, we made our choice, we were entitled to the full consequences of our choice. But God did what he didn't have to do and he provided a way for us to be saved. He did what he didn't have to do. Now, I want you to look in Genesis chapter number 15. We go into Genesis chapter number 15, and God is working with Abram. And you know the story. God has asked Abraham to come out and to uh, journey with him to a place that he knows not. And God is working with Abram. And of course, we understand in the narrative where explained Abraham is elderly, his wife is elderly. He has no children and God says, yet I'm going to work in an amazing way and Abraham, I'm going to make you a, an heir of many nations. Well, many people will come out of you and you'll be a great nation and I'm going to bless you. And uh, God uh, tells Abraham this and in Genesis chapter number 15, if you look around about, uh, around about verse five, Uh, Abraham looks up to the heavens and sees the stars. And God says, you know, this is this is this is what it'll be like for your children and their children who come. It'll be there'll be so many. It'll be like the number of the stars in the heavens. And the Bible says in verse six that he believed in the Lord and it counted to him for righteousness. And God made so God was making a promise a promise to Abraham of what he was going to do, how he was going to bless him. Now, the next thing Abraham does, he does what was probably normal and cultural to do, is that uh, he, uh, he he takes an heifer of three years old and a goat and a ram, as in verse number nine, and a turtle dove and a pigeon, and he takes these and he divides them in the midst and he puts one piece on one side and one piece on the other side. So he has these animals, apart from the birds, that he's, he's cut in half and he puts them either side. And here's what's going to happen. This is the process by which Abraham and God are going to enter into an agreement. So as they walk together, they're going to walk together. This is what this is being set up for. That They're going to walk together through the divided pieces. And as the two as two walk between the divided pieces and come out the other side, you have solidified your covenant. You have agreed to it. This was a way of making a public demonstration of a binding agreement, a covenant. And the covenant is this, that that God is going to bless Abraham and give him many children. So Abraham lays out all the pieces, and Abraham's waiting. And here's what happens. God doesn't come. And Abraham's waiting and waiting. He's waiting for God to come, so they're going to walk through the pieces together. And God doesn't come. But after Abraham falls asleep, when he's asleep, In verse number 17 of chapter 15, it says, It came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Now, you'll notice in verse 12 that God had allowed Abraham to go into a deep sleep. And then it was when Abraham was in a deep sleep that this uh, furnace and lamp passed between the pieces. Now, the 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 uh, smoking furnace and the burning lamp of verse 17, that's God. That's God coming between the pieces. Now you'll notice he didn't walk through with Abraham. And there's a reason for that. Here's what God is saying. Abraham, I'm making a promise to you. I'm covenanting an agreement to you. I'm going to do this. It's between you and I. But I'm going to make the whole agreement dependent on me and not dependent on you. See, if we go through together, we make an agreement with each other. You do your part and I do my part. But Abraham, you probably won't do your part. So I'm going to go through and I'm going to make the whole thing hinge on me and my goodness and nothing on you. Does that make sense? Do you follow that? God is saying... I'm going to bear the burden of making the promise come true. Now, God didn't have to do that. God God could have said, I'm going to make an agreement with you, Abraham, as long as you do your part. And your part isn't much. I'll handle the miracles. I'll handle the blessing. I'll bring the child. I'll increase them. I'll bring the multitudes of peoples that will become the great nation. I'll do all that. Abraham, you just stay faithful and walk with me. That's all you have to do. But if God had done that and Abraham did not do his part, it would break the agreement. So God said, no, no, I'm going to do what I don't have to do. And I'm going to bear the whole burden of this thing. Whether you do or whether you don't do, I'll do anyway. God did what he didn't have to do, but God did it. Marriage, by the way, is somewhat supposed to be that. Marriage is not an agreement. I will if you will. Marriage is a commitment before God that says, I will even if she doesn't. And she's saying, I will even if he doesn't. An agreement is conditional. You do and then I will. But a commitment says I will whether you do or not. And marriage is not an agreement. Marriage is a commitment before God. So God does what he didn't have to do. Now, there are there are other examples in the Bible, which we will not go to, that would illustrate the truth. That God, God, the nature, the heart of God, is to not just limit Himself to what He has to do. Not just, not just say this. this God always goes beyond. God does things He doesn't have to do, but He does them. Now look at. Uh, I want I want you to give you a New Testament example. Look in Luke chapter nineteen, Luke chapter nineteen, and we've noticed the thought that God does what he doesn't have to do. I want you to look in Luke chapter 19, and this will be a familiar story to, to anyone who knows their Bible a little bit. This is a story about Zacchaeus. And uh, Zacchaeus is uh, in Jericho, Luke chapter 19 from verse 1. Jesus is coming through. And remember, you know you know the Sunday school, you, you learned this if you went to Sunday school. Uh, because... Zacchaeus is just a little man, he climbs a tree, verse number 4, and Jesus comes and looks up and sees him and says, you know, I'm going to come to your house. And he comes and he eats with Zacchaeus and no doubt talks and shares. And it's verse 8, I want you to notice. In verse 8, and I want you to picture that you were there. Now you understand that Zacchaeus is a is a uh, a publican. He he collects taxes for the oppressors, and you know he's not beyond adding a little bit for himself. That's what they did. And so he he stands up in verse number eight. Zacchaeus stood, Luke nineteen verse eight, and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord. Now notice this. Imagine if someone leapt up in the church and said this this morning. Behold, Lord. The half, 50%, the half of my goods I give to the poor. I can only imagine that you were there and you knew, you knew him and you knew the person he was. And he stands up and he says, he says, you know, Lord Jesus, the half of what I have I give to the poor. And he says it publicly and everybody hears it. And some people would have went, he has a lot. And then he goes on to say, And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restored him fourfold. Now, Jesus goes on to affirm his salvation in verse number nine. But please understand this. Zacchaeus was not purchasing his salvation. You can't buy your salvation. There's only ever been one way to be saved. Zacchaeus was doing that because he got saved. He wasn't doing that to get salvation. The Bible tells us that that salvation is a gift of God. It, It isn't by the things we do. It's gifted to us by God. You can't buy salvation. You certainly don't deserve salvation. It's gifted to you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God has gifted you salvation. But Zacchaeus stands up, and may I use this phrase, he did what he didn't have to do. He went further. And he didn't, he's, first of all he said, half of my goods I give to the poor. And sometimes I think we should just, and this is a sidetrack, but we should just revisit a little bit. Uh, these are, to me these are the Bible verses we've cut out, but we haven't cut out. And they're the verses that pertain to the poor. And there's many of them. It just seems that God has a heart for the poor, and we shouldn't neglect that. So he says, half I give to the poor, but then he says, And by the way, if I've cheated anyone before, I'm not going to just give them back what I took. I'll multiply it by four. He did what he didn't have to do. Now, you know today why we're not like that? This is what most people would have done today. Most people would have been glad to be saved, and when somebody said to them, but what about the people you cheated before? You know what their answer would have been? It's under the blood. It's under the blood. But what about all the people you hurt before? It's under the blood. It's under the blood. Bless God, it's under the blood. And it is under the blood. But that wasn't enough for him. He was going to do what he didn't have to do. He said, okay, I may be forgiven for my sin, but I'm in a capacity to set it right, and I want to set it right. I want to do something. I I know I don't have to do it. I'm not going to get my salvation this way. It's gifted to me already. I know I don't have to do this. I could just decide, okay, I'm just going to live a good life from now on, and I'm not going to cheat anybody anymore. I know I don't have to go back and revisit the past hurts and revisit the people I've hurt and revisit the, the times that I've offended, but I want to. I want to. I want to do what I don't have to do. I want to. And every time somebody does that thing of doing what you don't have to do, but you want to do, you just become more like God. Because that's the heart of God. The heart of God always does that. God is doing what he doesn't have to do. And when you meet people like that, where, look, I don't have to do it, but I want to do it. They're being like God. You know, I, I have a fella from uh, here, a, an American from another state, a good man who's going to come and uh, work with us. He believed God wants him to do that. He'll probably get to us in a, maybe a year or a year and a half, depending on how things go. And uh, he's visited me and he put together a, a presentation and he said, he said, Brother Shem, I'm just going to send you my presentation, the outline, the script. I'm still working on a presentation. He said, I'm going to send you the script so you can check it, tell me if anything's not right. And in the script, you know, very, very, and I don't think he'll mind me sharing this with you. In the script, very close to the beginning is, uh, Thailand is a place of fornication and abominations. It is a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and and there's all this, and I called him up. I read that and I, and I called him up and I said, brother Jeff, I wouldn't say that. I said, I don't think there's any gain in you going around America telling people about the immorality of Thailand. I said, because, Jeff, respectfully, I've learned something about people. When people think a place is like an immoral place or an unclean place or a place of fornication and immoral sin, they don't want to help that place. They shun it. And that's happened to places in America. And that's one of the reasons that you're going to struggle. Until you see those places as a mission field and not the enemy, you're going to have troubles. We we don't have enemies. We're supposed to reach the whole world. That is a very inclusive statement. So we're not supposed to say they're the enemy. That's That's the problem, brethren. The problem is those people think we hate them. Something's got very twisted in the whole journey. And you're not going to win them by getting the upper hand in the media or by, you know, the empowerment of Fox News Channel. Or That's, that's not the way you're going to win it. You have to reach people for Christ. And when they get saved, they change. Lepers can't cleanse themselves. They need to be touched, and they get cleansed. But we're asking the lepers to clean up themselves, but nobody's touching them. And I said, brother, I said, I just I would not go round America saying those things. I said, I said, number one, it is not an accurate portrayal of Thailand as a whole. I said, no, number two, it's unfair to Thai people to characterise them that way. See, here's the difficulty I have. A whole lot of people, and I'll just say this as blunt as I can say it, a whole, a whole lot of people have taken trips to Thailand for immoral reasons. People in this country and probably people in this church this morning. And, and, and the military has used Thailand as a place to pull up the ships and offload the troops to have an immoral time. And when Thailand was somewhat of a backward nation and the Vietnam War was taking place, places in Thailand became a place to rest the troops and have a little bit of fun. And I'm saying to you that, that, that the, the immorality that has now become so famous has been brought about from the very people condemning those people. And can you understand, I have a little bit of a problem with that. I love Thai people. And I kind of hate it when people treat Thai people that way, that that's how you think of Thai people. So if you've been one of the people who did a little military trip sometime to Thailand and just, you know, had a little bit of fun, or you've been one of the people who've taken a trip there for those reasons, or you know somebody in your family who has, or you know somebody else, then why don't you do something to help the people entirely and get saved? Now, maybe tonight, maybe this morning you're saved and you say, that was in my past. Well, maybe it was in your past. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. I got it. Well, why don't you do what you don't have to do and try to make some things right that you did wrong before? You say, Brother Shemesh, those sins are forgiven. Yes, they are forgiven. I know that. But why don't you be like Zacchaeus and say, I won't just stop there and just say, OK, OK, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. Why don't you do what you don't have to do and take on the heart of God? Instead of instead of just saying, well, you know, looking down on those people, I've met it. I've met people in Australia like that. Who say, oh, yeah, I know about that place. A very prominent preacher said to me just recently, you know, we all know about the immorality of Thailand. And it's almost like you want me to apologize for being a missionary to Thailand. It's almost like you want me to feel embarrassed that I'm laboring in a place like that. You know, this fellow said in his presentation, prostitution is legal in Thailand. And I called him, I said, I said, brother, prostitution is illegal everywhere in Thailand. Prostitution is legal some places in America and Australia. So don't go running around the place telling everybody about this and, 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 you know, shunning the Thai people because of the immorality that we've created amongst them. I mean, we ought to feel sick in our stomach that, that we've ever, you know, our countries have been a part of that, that we've created that problem. And we ought to decide that, well, I need to do something about that. Why don't you care about those people? Why don't you get a, why don't you get a burden? You say, well, it's under the blood, it's under the blood. Yeah, it's under the blood. Do what you don't have to do and try to make some things right in the past. And maybe there's some other things this morning that you're thinking of. And, 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 and you know, you praise God this morning. You've been forgiven for your sin. And, it, and it's true. The, the wonder of wonders is that when we get saved, all the sin of the past is forgiven and washed clean by the spotless blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And all our present sin. But here's the wonder of wonders that God has even made atonement and forgiveness for your future sin. Now how could that be? You realize when God saved you, he knew you were not going to stop sinning. Now you might have changed and you should have. But I don't think anyone would stand up and say, I'm sinless and sin free and I never sinned again. God God has made provision for that. And yes, it's true. Our sin is forgiven. But it's also true, if we had a heart like God's heart, we would do what we don't have to do, but we should want to do. And maybe this morning there's some things in your past, or maybe there's some things you can just do. You don't have to. You don't have to. But maybe you want to. You just want to. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you give in a way that you give, you give what's required. And maybe you don't have to do any more, but you just want to. Maybe you've extended someone more mercy and more grace already than anybody else would have. Maybe a family member. Maybe a friend. And you don't have to give them any more chances. You've already done more than anybody would do. But you want to. You want to do the thing you don't have to do. And when we do that, we're being like God, doing the thing we don't have to do. Zacchaeus did it. David did it when he said, is there any of Jonathan's descendants, any, any, anybody I can help? Jonathan and Saul were gone. They were no, no threat to David. The kingdom was established. He didn't have to do anything. And they found Mephibosheth, that crippled boy. Remember that? They took him in. And David said, I'm going to have you eat at my table. And here's what I believe. Every time that David, I'm going to finish, but every time David sat down to eat at the royal table and David sat down and, they, and Mephibosheth came in and maybe they helped him get in. And you've got to understand, people of that culture disdain people with infirmities. They're not like, uh, you know, they just, they don't like it. It's imperfection, infirmities. And Mephibosheth comes in or crippled or they carried him in. And David watches and he sees that and he's just, and it must have happened again and again and again. David sees it happening and he sits him at the royal table and the royal courtiers bring in the food and everything and lay it all out before the king and they label that all out before Mephibosheth. And David's watching the people who have privileged jobs in the palace serve the cripple boy who had no claim to anything who could have been left alone and there would have been no sin. And as David's watching that, you know what I think David's thinking? He's watching that happen and I think every meal he's thinking, this is me. I'm the Mephibosheth. God took me in from nothing. God sat me at his table. I'm the one who had no claim to anything. I'm the one who was owed nothing. I'm the one who'd been discarded and forgotten and God took me in and God put me at his table. And I think every time that David saw that in his heart was like that sweet witness that says, you're doing it like God would do it. And that is a sweet witness. David didn't have to do that, but he did what he didn't have to do Because he wanted to do do the thing you don't have to do and you'll be like God because that's how he is not because we have to, oh it's under the blood it's under the blood it's in the past, it's under the blood no no four times if I defrauded anybody I pay you back and I'll give you back four times, anybody I give you back It's under the blood, Zacchaeus. I know. I want to. Half of my goods I give to the poor. You don't have to do that. Brother Zacchaeus, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says that by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. I understand that. I want to. I want to. And when we do that, we're being like God.